Welcome to Leadership Podcast. Be well, lead well. Season two, episode number seventeen. We are so honored that you are spending your time with us today. I don't know where you're listening to this. You could be driving, riding to work, running, or cooking at home. Thank you. I believe our time today will help you think and think about important things about your life and leadership. Our passion is to help you become a good leader who builds healthy leadership culture wherever and in whatever capacity you lead. I am beyond grateful for this opportunity to serve and share this time with you. In today's episode, we are diving deep into the world of vision and dreaming. As a leader, we are drowned by deadlines and our work routine. God teaches us from the creation story how he is a dreamer and invites us to dream with him. How to develop the practice of dreaming, knowing the season and collaborating. If you are starting in this episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episodes to get more out of this conversation designed to help you lead in a godly principle. Once again, it's time to learn and grow. Take out your phone or a notebook and let's do some work. Let's go. Well, my friend, thank you so much for joining the podcast again. Of course, uh, we are still talking about this big idea. Uh, the pillar, how we want to empower, engage, multi-generational, multicultural, uh, multi-calling type of movement. Uh, and so in this episode, I want to talk about um, vision okay. that, that you kind of uh, give a very different perspective, um, especially your take on Genesis chapter 1 was very very enlightening okay. I really enjoyed it uh, I mean this word vision Joel uh, is uh, I think is such an overused cliched word yeah. I mean everybody talks about a vision yeah. vision vision I mean we all know it's very very important how would you give a fresh perspective to this vision well that's a big question <laughs> uh, one thing I would say is I think we need to define the word carefully mm-hmm. a lot of times when I'm working with churches and ministries and even individuals yeah when you talk about vision, uh, they're not describing or defining something that has yet to become a reality. They're actually just describing what it is. So you look at a church's vision statement. Yeah. And it actually isn't a vision statement. It's a current operational statement. Mm-hmm. Whereas a vision statement is God, in my view, yeah. vision is God wanting to create something through you. What does God want to create? So I use Genesis 1 as a model Mm -hmm. that God gives us. So when God had vision and God created, he didn't just create, but he kind of gave us a pattern to follow. Mm -hmm. And every one of us are creators. Some people say, oh, I'm not a creative person. Other people are a creative person. And we define being creative by more artsy. Mm -hmm. So if you can color, if you can play an instrument, if you can sing, you know, if, if you then then you're creative. If you're administrative or operational, you're not creative. It's not true. It's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Everybody's creative. Everybody has God in them. And Genesis gives us the pattern of creation. But for me, it begins with a definition of vision that is God wants to create something through you. Yeah. What does he want to create? And it doesn't have to be necessarily I'll give you an example. When my wife and I first got married, we knew God wanted to create a family through us. Yeah. What kind of family did God want to create? Mm-hmm. And she and I had to have a vision for our family. Yeah. Some of that vision was based upon our heritage, God's thumbprint on our family. Some of it was based upon our desires. But we actually had a vision for our family. Mm. And then we began to let God create Mm. our family. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example of your unique family because I, I know your family. Yeah, that's, that's very, very interesting. Yeah. But it's a great question for leaders to ask, what does God want to create through me? Through me. Yeah. And you can apply it to the personal realm of a family. You can apply it to your professional vocational realm. If you run a business, what does God want to create through me? You don't just look at your business through natural filters. How can it be profitable? Yeah. Yeah. What does God want to create through me? That's a, a question that you should ask if you're a pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. What does God want to create through our church? Mm-hmm. And just asking that different kind of a question kind of opens up your mind to the possibilities of God's vision and what He wants to create. But I think uh, what we have taught to the church, to the leaders is, I think, it's a mental image of your future. Like, I mean, what what can you see happening? God is not so much in the mix, but like, what can you make things happen? Or what what kind of future you imagine? Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, I think it's okay to talk about the future imagining as long as God is the architect of that. Yeah. When it's just the natural. I do think one of the detriments has been vision has always just been about more, not about new. So it's just vision for church. less, yeah. <laughs> vision for church is more people. Yeah. yeah. Vision for your money, more money. money, money. And a lot of times we just define vision by the word more. Yeah. Or I think the word create to me is a better word than vision because it's about new. What new yeah. thing does God want to do? And the new thing may mean less. Yeah. But it's still for God. Yeah. Long term could yeah. mean more. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think we, we need to redefine vision around more of God's ar- architect and creating through us mm-hmm. versus just more of something in the natural. Yeah. You're very right, Joel. And I was kind of thinking about it. The reason I do not create the way God wants me to create is because, uh, again, the intimacy. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know what, I, I don't discover who Jesus is. So I go out and kind of figure out what he may like me doing for him. And then we just go in this like cycle. And we also have to be careful because without the intimacy, Ron, when we want vision and our identity is linked to that vision, then we begin to compare. My vision has to be equal or greater than somebody else's vision. You know, John the Baptist says, I gotta become less. His vision was literally, what does God want to create through me? God wants to create a pathway for Jesus through yeah. And that's all John was called yeah. to do. Yeah. And he was called to do it in a very narrow window of time. Yeah. Intimacy allows you to be faithful to create whatever God wants you to create and you don't measure it against anybody else. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to have that intimacy so you're okay with creating even if what you create is really small but yeah. important. Yeah. That's, that's so, I mean, like, it has a like a fingerprint of God yeah. through that. Yeah. You know? And that satisfaction. I mean, there's another uh, good angle to to your uh, presentation in the pillar is like this section of dreaming. Like, you know, I'm spending time dreaming about like, kind of like, it just like what God will create through me. Yeah. Right? So in order to do that, you have to create a space uh, so that you can dream with God or dream for God or whatever you want to call it. I kind of see even in myself that I'm so busy and the function of a leader is to kind of become executing like the stuff for the for yeah. the organization. How important do you think is for a leader to create that kind of space yeah. like where you dream? Well, there's a couple of factors that are involved. One is you do have to create a space. 
And I'll ask a question back at you because I would like to know your habit. In that space, you have to have a certain habit. Everybody has a different way of dreaming. Some people, like my wife, just writes everything down and then kind of filters it and reduces it down to its fine content. Um, everybody has a different way. So you've got this space, but then you have a process. So let me ask you, Ron, for yeah. our listeners, what's your process? Let's say you create the space. I'm not going to be so busy. I'm going to create. Not, yeah. I'm not. I'm going to create the space. So you yeah. say, okay, I've got this hour. What does it look like when Ron dreams? Um, I, for me, morning is very sacred. Okay. These days, like yeah. at least two hours. Good. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I have discipline it. I mean, it was so hard for me, uh, and so now I kind of like, if when I'm traveling, it's a little bit hard. When at home, like two hours, like. Do devotions a little bit, but then I just create this time like where I just uh, allow my mind to drift on yeah. the things that I've been thinking and dreaming, and I just realize you know sometimes resting in God is such a powerful thing. Right. I just had this realization. I grow physically when I sleep, and then God reminded me. I mean, like if you are with me, you rest in me. I'll grow your work, or you grow grow your mind, grow your heart, everything you know. So that uh, element of like dreaming or like creating the spaces, like yes, God is working. I think it's a, a really profound way to look at it because one of the things that I've learned about dreaming is it takes time. Mm. It's almost evolutionary in nature. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, God's really good and just kind of throws something in you and it's immediate and it's abrupt and yeah, it's there. Yeah. But I think a lot of times leaders are tempted to go away in a closet for 20 minutes and come out with a perfect dream. <laughs> yeah. And I've discovered it doesn't work that way. No. You have to meditate on it. You have to think about it. One of the practices that I have is over time, like this pillars we're talking about, I'll go through 27 different models of what it could look like. Mm. To finally get to what God's actual dream is. Yeah, yeah. And for me, part of the dreaming process yeah, yeah. is a creative process of building something mm-hmm. and building it in many different ways and then landing on, oh, yeah, this is God's dream. So the dream is kind of evolutionary in nature to dream something. And then I am very, very much committed, and I think it's an important principle, is when you dream, really make sure that your dream has some level of originality to it. I don't care how crazy yeah. it is. Yeah. Just some le- not out of uh, pride, Yeah. but the temptation of dreaming wrong is, all again, all you're thinking about is, how do I make something bigger? Yeah. That's not dreaming. Yeah. Dreaming is, okay, what new thing does God want to do here? And so I'm committed to the discipline of there's going to be something that's new, something that's fresh, something I don't fully understand to do that. Um, but, But I think when you approach dream the way we're talking about, Ron, dreaming becomes part of a lifestyle habit, not an interruption. Yeah over a year just because you're supposed to do this yeah. so some people go oh I better dream so they dream for four hours okay I'm done now for the next four months yeah. oh I better dream oh, you know, now it, it is as much of a routine of your life as anything else you do yeah. it becomes how you see life and ministry in some ways yeah. I, do you think Joel I mean so much of our Christian ministry is now attached to productivity like I mean I mean we want to be productive but productive means like producing more uh, and but like when you spend time in like dreaming people see like oh this is not productive I'm just dreaming like I want to work 
How much do you think is that has shaped our like thinking about intimacy and like this kind of dreaming? Yeah, I think that individuals, all of us, are tempted to focus on our productivity as a way of defining our value. Yeah. I think the reason why God created the Sabbath was to fight that. Yeah. He says, okay, six days a week you're going to have to work. But I want you to know me as a God who does not define your productivity mm-hmm. as your identity. Yeah, yeah. So take a day, take a day and yeah. don't do any work. Mm-hmm. So you are reminded this is what defines you. Mm-hmm. The Israelites, when they were in captivity, their identity as slaves was defined by their productivity, mm-hmm. the bricks that they made. Mm-hmm. God says, we're going to change that. Yeah. So I, I think there is a temptation to be productive. And that sometimes can then fight against the dreaming. But I also think uh, dreaming is a habit that takes time to learn. Okay. It doesn't happen. Because what happens is you dream, you get an idea, you run with the idea and it fails. And then you stop dreaming. Because <laughs> you just don't want to fail that yeah, often. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we see dreaming as, as a practice we do regularly, when yeah. we see dreaming as without urgency. Yeah. Because yeah. um, a lot of times we dream for the sake of being more productive. Yeah. That's not why you dream. Yeah. You dream for the sake of what new thing does God want to do. Yeah. And I, that's why you dream. So yeah. if dreaming is not seen as an ends to a means, then you're going to be off better off doing it. Just yeah. do it for the sake of doing it. Do it for the sake of the enjoyment and the adventure and the excitement of it. And maybe God will give you a good idea that you can then run with. But give yourself time to do it and fight the temptation of productivity defines my identity and value. Yeah. Let's change the game a little bit here. I mean, this interesting model or steps you have uh, taught is like Genesis chapter 1, where you talk about dreams, seasons of assessment, collaboration, and rest and reflection, kind of like we have already talked about yeah. a bit of it. How does that uh, steps apply in your ministry? Like, for the sake of people who will be part of this, you know, movement or a journey, like, just to, I mean, like, give them... It like, took it took multiple years for okay. me to make those steps Okay. so intuitively a part of me Okay. that I almost don't need to think about it anymore. Oh, uh, okay. So when you learn to drive a car, yeah. especially a stick shift, yeah, yeah. it's horrible. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you're teaching your child to drive a car, <laughs> you're, you know, you're grinding it, yeah. and your legs and the, and the pedals yeah. with the sticks, and you have to learn, and you have to practice, you have to learn. And then one day, yeah. you forget you're even moving the yeah, stick. Yeah. You're just driving. Yeah. You don't even remember you're moving the stick. It becomes just intuitively part of you. Mm-hmm. It took me multiple years to take that pattern in Genesis mm-hmm. and make it an intuitive part of me. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I wanted to do it is the components in the pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, dreaming. Then there's these other components that are there, mm-hmm. the seasons. There are six days in the creation pattern okay. with a high level of seasons to each day. Yeah. Man, if you can dream, but you don't know the season you're in, you don't know when the season, when the dream fits, when the dream should be started, when it shouldn't. So you're always looking at things like, what is the season? You know, God's will is easy to know. God's timing is a lot harder to know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we'll get a dream, but we don't understand the timing of it. So seasons, the way he did that, I think it's great that God assessed himself. Mm -hmm. You know, we're 
hesitant to do honest self-evaluations. But God, in the creation story, it is good, it is not good, it is very good. Mm -hmm. He's assessing himself. Yeah. So he creates Adam, ah, it's good, but you know, it's not good, it could be better than yeah. oh, now it's very good. You know, so I think that's where even that part of it is when you are ministering and leading your life, you are always in this constant self-assessment. Mm -hmm. Is this good? Is this not good? So those pieces that we teach in pillars from the creation story are so important that they become an intuitive part of your process. So you're always dreaming, always creating, always thinking, always assessing. And then, of course, the rest piece, which we take a lot of time in yeah. because rest does not mean vacation. Yeah. If your life pattern is one where you are so busy, so tired, so exhausted, so burnt out that all you can think about is, I need two weeks off. Mm. I'm, I need to go to a beach somewhere for two weeks. Yeah. That's not a biblical definition of rest. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking a holiday. Yeah. But a biblical definition of rest is that you work from such a place of energy and peace mm. that you're at rest when you're working. You're calm. Mm. You're settled. You're not anxious. You're not worried. You're not nervous. You're not overwhelmed. You're good. Mm. You're strong. You're stable. Um, that's rest. Mm -hmm. And when God rested, it wasn't because he was so tired. Mm -hmm. He rested to teach us about heaven. He rested to teach us about this idea of rest and doing things from a place of rest. Mm -hmm. So I think the Genesis 1 pattern is incredibly important to learn intuitively and make a part of your practice. Great. Yeah. Uh, and then another element to that chapter is about limit. You know, I mean, like, God put a limit by putting a tree in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a fascinating, I've been learning a lot about that. I mean, we live in a day and age where we kind of encourage people like, I mean, dream your dreams, anything is possible yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But as we we're talking in the earlier episode also, like uh, when you discover Jesus and when you try to dream his dream, sometimes it's not a big things, it's like a new things. Yeah. Right, you know, and how important is to know that limit so that we can be effective like uh, in our calling in our ministry? It's a great question, Ron. I think it's important to know that there are limits. Mm. And what I mean by that is in, in the Genesis story, again, you have this off limits. Yeah. You can have the entire garden, but no, you can't have this tree. Yeah. It's off limits. Yeah. There are limitations and God in his wisdom and in his goodness limits us. So I have this debate oftentimes with uh, senior leaders. And I said, I think we do a disservice to a younger generation where we say, you know, you are you are a world changer. No, you're not really a world changer. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a city changer, that's fantastic. Yeah. If you're a community changer, that's good. Yeah. You're a family changer, that's necessary. But yeah. you, you know, there's a few people called to be a world changer, but yeah. most of us, yeah. no. And I think we have to be more honest with the fact that you you are not designed to be limitless. Mm. Yeah. You are given a directive from God, and there are parameters to that directive. And when you put everybody's directives together, you have one kingdom, one Lord, one spirit. Mm. And if you can accept that reality first, then you're very comfortable mm. and very much at rest with the directive that he's given you mm. because that's your play. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not called to do everything. I'm yeah. called to do this. There's many things to be done in this yeah. world. 
I'm not called to do them all. Yeah. I'm called to do this one thing. Mm-hmm. And there are other things friends of mine are doing. That's what they're called to do. And I think the idea of limit when it comes to dreaming mm-hmm. is something we don't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's something yeah. we definitely should very much talk about. Yeah. Like, how do you, uh, like, is there any practice or a, like a sort of awareness, like a boundary in you where you kind of check like, oh, I'm kind of crossing my limit or you have been a sage where it's like, you don't, you don't have to fight those, yeah. those temptations. I've, I've never been a sage. There are a few things that are important. I mean, I think one, you have to have good friends who can speak into you. Uh, okay. I don't know if there's been a time in the last 20 years where God hasn't given me a really strong dream that I haven't shared with you and you've spoken into yeah. me. And sometimes you've had some really profound guidances to give me around that. So you have to allow others and give them permission to speak into your dreams to be able to do that. The second thing is I do like to ask questions and look at things backwards. So this is a question I ask because I believe in it and it really does uh, sometimes confuse senior pastors. I said, if you have a dream, what's the least thing you need to do to accomplish your dream? What's the very least thing? Because we always want to do yeah. more, 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 more yeah. programs, more of this, more of <laughs> What's the least amount you need to do? Yeah. And even that question kind of reverses it. Yeah. It kind of puts me in the, okay, what's the very least I, you know, we talk about pillars. Mm. What's the least thing we need to do yeah. Yeah. to help a young generation of leaders really grow in a new identity and create this kind of movement? Um, so I think there are ways that you can learn disciplines that help you practice the idea of limitation. Yeah. Limitation is not putting a ceiling on what God can do. It's putting an accurate understanding on what God wants to do. That's so beautiful. Wow. And that's that's a healthy thing. That's a healthy thing. That's a healthy thing. Yeah. My last question in, in this uh, section is like, you talked about like when you create uh, and dream with God there's an element of warfare the element of battle yeah. in, 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 in kind of taking the dream that God has given to you how does that play out like I mean sometimes uh, uh, we kind of totally ignore I mean there's a big section on the warfare mentality yeah. but like especially when you're dreaming and collaborating and Uh, you know, creating, like, how does that play out? Yeah. In, in Pillars, we probably make a bit of a different approach towards looking at warfare. Uh, historically in the church, the church has an understanding. We battle not against flesh and blood. Mm. Everybody knows that verse, and we know the verses that are involved in that. Um, but warfare has only been defined by spiritual warfare, pretty much defined by prayer. Yeah. We're praying against the enemy. And, of course, it's biblical. It's true. But what we haven't done, which I think is important, is look at our worldview mm. through the filter of warfare. Mm. We are in a battle. Mm. If you were living in a human war zone mm. where there were soldiers yeah. and yeah. bombs, yeah. it would affect how you look at your children, it would affect how you look at your future, it would affect how you look at your days Yeah, because you're living in it. Yeah. We don't see the warfare in the natural, Yeah, but we are in living in the middle of a war. So there needs to be what I call a warfare worldview. It's a filter by which we look at our existence on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of that. It changes sometimes even the way you look at the questions you have. Jesus walked from village to village. He saw people who were ill and sick. He didn't ask the question, why would a good God allow this? Mm. He said, we're at war. Yeah. We need to take authority. Yeah. 
So it changes sometimes even how you look at life as a Christian in the sense. So in Pillars, we unpack uh, at great length, because the Bible talks a lot about this warfare worldview. Mm -hmm. And I think it does then affect how you look at your calling and your dream. So, you know, you and I have this dream around Pillars. We have a dream to see a young generation have a new paradigm and a new way of seeing themselves, intimacy, seeing their leaders. Part of how we then approach that is understanding, okay, we're in a battle. Mm. There's going to be an evil force that's going to come against us. Yeah. And it's not just a matter of having prayer meetings. It's a matter of having an understanding. Yeah. Because the evil force, the Bible describes really clearly, you know, the evil force, accusations and deceptions, wrong thinking, mm. bad communication are the tools of the evil force. Yeah. So you've got to come against that with truth and right thinking and right communication. So I think having a warfare worldview and understanding how that shapes family, ministry, life, calling, mm -hmm. understanding there's an evil force against you. You may go, be going on, and this happened to me just maybe six months ago, going through my life, going through my weeks and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, wow, I just, just got unhappy. <laughs> really? And yeah. It's just like, oh, it was kind of like a bit of despair. Wow. A little bit of hopelessness, kind of a dark cloud. Yeah. If I didn't have a warfare worldview, I would have perhaps found the wrong ways to try to fix that. Yeah. I would have gotten maybe angry at my wife. Mm. Why is she making me unhappy? Mm. I may have gotten angry at God. Yeah. But I have a warfare worldview. And so part of me goes, am I under attack right now? Yeah. Is there an evil force trying to put wrong thoughts in my mind? Mm. And having a warfare worldview gives me a way to interpret what's happening around me yeah. in a healthy biblical way. Yeah. And then I can go, wow, you know, I think I'm under attack right now. Mm. And then I can gather my brothers and sisters together and we can pray and the cloud goes away. Yeah. Now, that's not always the case. But it is sometimes the yes. case. And if you do not have a warfare worldview, you do not have that as one of the lens by which you look at the world, you will oftentimes misinterpret what's happening around you. And the enemy is thrilled to stay invisible yeah. and powerful. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much. I mean, this is such a rich conversation. I mean, you said, uh, like, we're always looking to equate bigger with the vision. Yeah. But creating is something what God wants to do new right. through me. And that's a, such a new language and a new inspiration. Thank you, my brother. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into today's podcast. If this episode was helpful and meaningful, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Your show of support will greatly encourage me and my team. Thank you. And do join us next time.